0: Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we are going to be recapping all, and I mean all of the major games from college football week 4 of the 2022 season. Now, before we do dive into all that action and all of my takeaways and everything like that, I do want to foremost kind of, you know, warn y'all a little bit. My voice is going to be super raspy throughout this whole, and I mean whole podcast due to the fact that I just got back from the TCU-SMU game. And I'm kind of shocked that I even have a voice at all, but I know that I got to make sure to record for y'all and give y'all all all of the football news that y'all need. So, obviously, I'm here. We're going to get right into it. But before we do do that... I do want to ask y'all guys to please make sure to go check out Anchor.fm's monthly supporter program. It's pretty much like a subscription to any type of your favorite Twitch streamer, or YouTube, or whoever. You know, it's $4.99 a month. It helps me better the podcast quality, every good thing like that. And it also helps me helps. helps It also helps y'all show a little bit more support to the uh, podcast as well if you are feeling up to it. Now, it's not required. I don't expect it or anything like that. I simply appreciate y'all just listening. You know, rating, showing love, whatever you might do, I appreciate it sincerely. You know, it just means the absolute world to me. But anyway, guys, like we always say here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, I don't want to waste y'all's time. So let's get right into all of the action from this amazing week four of this college football season. So the first game that I want to talk about is going to be on Thursday, and this was the West Virginia Mountaineers traveling to Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. Now... West Virginia's kind of had a rough start to this season so far. They dropped a absolutely brutal game to Pitt. They also had a a really brutal loss to uh, Kansas up in Morgantown. So not the best start to their season, but definitely this was a game that West Virginia needed to absolutely win if they were going to gain any type of momentum going into conference play next week. And then on the flip side for Virginia Tech, they're kind of in the same boat as West Virginia. You know, they haven't really impressed. They haven't really been able to kind of gain the momentum that a lot of people were expecting from them at the beginning of this season. But anyway, let's talk more about this game. So at the start of the game, it did, I mean, it was really slow as West Virginia would only put up the, would put up three points, which were the only points in the first quarter. But in the second half, both sides would get a touchdown. So going into the half, West Virginia would lead Virginia Tech 13-7. to but in the fourth quarter is when it absolutely was crucial for West Virginia, as they would put up 17 points to beat the Virginia Tech Hokies at home, mind you, 33 to 10. So, and this one also kind of starts a huge, a huge other question. You know, how good is Kansas? Kansas Jayhawks team, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. You know, their game that they played against Duke, but it kind of does start to raise a lot of eyebrows because you've got to think maybe this Kansas team is not just. You know, just a oh week one, two, and three team. Mm, excuse me, guys. This Kansas team actually might be a legit threat in the Big 12 for all of the contenders like Oklahoma and Baylor. So, but anyways, in this game, J- uh, Jt Jan- Jt Daniels, the starting quarterback for West Virginia, he went 20 for 30, 203 yards passing with one touchdown and an 85 QB rating. And then Grant Wells, the uh, former Marshall uh, quarterback, he went 16 for 35. 193 yards passing, one touchdown, and one crucial, and I mean crucial, pick six, as he would end up with a 35 QBR. So, yeah, definitely not the best game of Grant Wells' career. But overall, that West Virginia offense was just absolutely unstoppable as they would go on to beat the uh, Virginia Tech Hokies 33-10 up in Blacksburg. But anyway, we're going to travel over to Friday as we had another decent, decent-sized matchup, which included... The Virginia Cavaliers traveling to Syracuse to take on the Syracuse Orange, who have had a pretty surprising start to the season as they are currently three and zero with some decent wins against uh, not I almost said NC State. <laughs> They've had some decent wins against Purdue and Louisville in their uh, season opener. But anyway, let's get right into this game and you know Garrett Schrader, the starting quarterback for the Syracuse Orange, the former Mississippi State quarterback, he had himself a game. I wouldn't say the greatest as he went 22 for 33, 277 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception. Wasn't his best game overall, but then on the flip side for Virginia, the quarterback play was not that much better either as Brennan Armstrong, who going into this season had a lot of hype, especially regarding the NFL draft, and I think he's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth and in the case of just being a high draft prospect or even a press prospect at all as in this game he went 19 for 38 138 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception as that would lead him to a qbr of 29 and a half so yeah definitely not his best game and then also for the syracuse orange and obviously one of their bigger uh, contributors their star running back in sean tucker who's known for his hilarious tweets on twitter he didn't have his best game overall, but did have a very solid game as he had 21 carries for 60 yards. And then, honestly, the star of this game for offense came in the form of, um, excuse me, guys, came in the form of Syracuse wide receiver Orande Gadsden II, as he had a pretty solid game against the Virginia Cavaliers as he had seven receptions for 107 yards receiving. He didn't get a touchdown, but overall, pretty solid game for him. As you know, this game honestly came down to the last minute. I mean, literally, is Virginia, you know, they hadn't scored a point at all in the first half. Syracuse led after halftime, 16 to zero. But Virginia kind of rall- rallied in the third quarter, putting up 13 points. And then in the second quarter, Syracuse would edge out a win with a field goal as they would go on to beat the Virginia Cavaliers uh twenty two to twenty. Syracuse improves the four and which is something I don't think a lot of us expected to say at the beginning of this season. I know myself personally didn't. Um Virginia they fall to two and two in what's been not I won't say definitely a disappointing season because it's not at all. You know, they've got a new head coach. I mean, you know, there's gonna be a lot of growing pains, but overall I think Virginia has a lot of good young pieces to build off of, but it's definitely going to be interesting going forward for them. And then the final game on Friday that I want to talk about and this matchup has no real I don't want to say meaning, but it really doesn't. But just kind of an interesting game, so to speak, as uh, Boise State traveled to El Paso to take on the UTEP minors. Now, if we're looking at talent-wise, this, this should have been a game Boise State should have absolutely blown UTEP out of the water. But after a very, very, and I mean very rough game from their starting quarterback, uh, H. Uh, H Bachmeyer, as he went 13 for 34 and threw 93 yards with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But he had an amazing QBR, as he had a 13.1 QBR. So very rough day overall for the Boise State offense, as they just were never get anything going. Their lone touchdown came in the third quarter, and that would be the final points they would score, as UTEP would go on to beat the Boise State Broncos 27 to 10. So yeah, definitely a disappointing season so far for the Broncos up in Idaho. But anyway, guys, let's get on to the main day. Of This college football week four, and obviously I'm talking about Saturday as we had some pretty decent matchups You know a lot of true tests for a lot of teams that you know kind of have been unproven most notably Michigan We'll talk about them literally here in a sec But the first team I want to talk about is going to be the Kent State Golden Flashes traveling to Athens, Georgia to take on the Georgia Bulldogs now this game was definitely interesting because if you asked anyone, Georgia should have probably blown out Kent State by a score of like 60-0. to zero. Like it should not have been close one bit. But after a pretty and day from Stetson Bennett, after a pretty much remarkable start to the season, as he only went 27 for 36, 272 72 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception. It's kind of funny to say that's not a great day for him, but if you've watched any Georgia games so far this year, you know he's been absolutely a baller. But Brock Bowers, the super talented tight end slash Swiss Army knife for this Georgia offense, who's making a legitimate case to be in contention for the best player in all the country. He had himself a pretty solid day as well as he had two carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, every single rush attempt, it resulted in a touchdown for the big man as he had a long of 75. So yeah, great day for him rushing and then receiving. Brock Bowers also had a very solid day as well. As he had five receptions for 60 yards uh, receiving, so pretty good day for him. And you know Georgia would end up, you know they would obviously not let Kent State get in this game. As despite them being at halftime, the score was 26 to 13, which if you're a Georgia fan, it's kind of disappointing that the most points you've given up this season literally came to Kent State, who is now one and three on the year. But despite the fact, Georgia is still a very solid team as they would go on to beat Kent State 39-22. to Now let's travel over to Ann Arbor, Michigan as we have the 4th ranked Michigan Wolverines taking on the Maryland Terrapins. Who were 3-0 at the time of taking on a Michigan team who really hadn't been tested up to this point, you know. Michigan, in my opinion, has had a really easy schedule to start off the year. You know they had Colorado State, UConn, and I think Hawaii as well. So, you know, some, three of the worst teams in all of the FBS. You know they started their season out, and I'm not going to discredit them, but obviously, you know they have not been tested yet. And obviously, this would be a game against a Maryland team who just beat a very solid SMU team who has one of the better offenses in the country last week up in Maryland. So this was a huge road test for the Terrapins in themselves. But anyway, in this game, Maryland and Michigan would both start out the game, you know, after, and after the first quarter, it would be tied 10-10. to And then at halftime, which a lot of people did not see, including myself, Michigan was leading 17-13 to over the Terrapins. So very close game going into the half. Uh, Michigan starting quarterback J.J. McCarthy, who didn't have a very, I wouldn't say a very bad day in my opinion, I didn't know. Obviously, I wasn't watching play for play as I was at the SMU-TCU game. But when you look at the stats and everything like that, he had a pretty okay game. He went 18 for 26, 220 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. And then Talia Tagovailoa, the younger brother of current Miami Dolphins uh, quarterback, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, he had, I definitely would not say a great, great game. But he did have a pretty decent game as he went 20 for 30, 207 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions, which has kind of always been, I guess you could say, attack on Talia is just due to the fact that sometimes he does get a little bit wonky with his passes, which will lead, obviously, to picks, which we saw heavily last year. And hopefully, I mean, I hope it doesn't continue for him, but those two picks would prove to be pretty costly as Michigan would go on to beat Maryland 34-27. Now, Blake Corum... He had a absolute, and I mean, we'll, we're we going to keep moving on, but I just need to shout out Blake Quorum. He had a huge day against the Terrapins as he had 30 carries for 243 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Yeah, absolute monster of a day for a running back. And I know Maryland is not what you would call a great defensive team by any means. But that's just absolutely ridiculous to put up 243 rushing yards in a game. And then to add on top of that, you also had two touchdowns. So, great game for Michigan. And obviously, they got a win. But it's going to be interesting to see when they go up against teams like Penn State and Ohio State later on in the year. But anyway, now we're going to, now we're going to go over to North Carolina as we have the 21st-ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons taking on the 5th-ranked Clemson Tigers. Now, Clemson... I'm not going to say they haven't been tested yet or anything like that, but once again, they're kind of in the same boat as um as Michigan. They just haven't really played a noteworthy opponent, but this game obviously had to be a game that Clemson needed because this would shut up all the critics, including myself, who have been saying, you know, they're not the Clemson of old, they're not this, they're not that. And, you know, definitely defense in this game just was not really that viable at all because when you, see, when you hear the score, you'll see why for yourself. But overall, there was a lot of bright spots for the Clemson offense, which to start the season season has been struggling in my opinion. I'm not going to say horribly, but they definitely have been struggling, most notably DJ Uagalele, their starting quarterback. And, you know, there's been a lot of talks about him getting benched for Cade Klubnik, the talented five-star uh, quarterback out of Texas. But anyway, DJ had himself a great day, and he's starting to look like the 2020 DJ that we got so used to seeing as he went 26-41, for 41. 371 yards passing with five touchdowns and zero interceptions, which is huge for DJ just because, once again, he's kind of similar to Talia where they kind of get undisciplined sometimes with their throws resulting in turnovers. But in this case, DJ made sure to definitely, you know, have good and proper placement when it came to throwing the football. And then on the flip side, Sam Hartman, the quarterback for the Demon Deacons, I want to make sure that this man – Excuse me again, guys. I want to make sure the Sam Hartman he gets the defi- or not definition the uh, credit that he deserves because coming off a scary blood cut blood clot situation earlier on in the season, you know he had to sit out the first couple weeks, and the fact that he performed like this in a game against the Clemson Tigers, who are fifth in the country, was huge as he kept his team in this game as he kept his team in the game pretty much. The whole entire game as he went as he went 20 for 29 337 yards passing with six touchdowns and zero interceptions so huge game for both of the quarterbacks in this in this game i mean honestly if you're a fan of either of these teams you should not be upset at all because both showed a lot of promise and both are super talented i know sam hartman is definitely more the veteran you know dj he's i mean obviously he's been in clemson's system for a while now but you know, Sam Hartman, a very talented and obviously a very respectable type of quarterback. He had an absolutely phenomenal day. And then on the flip side, so did DJ Ugalele. But anyway, this game would actually end up going into overtime as at the end of regulation, the score was tied 38-38. to But after two overtimes, Clemson, like always, would prevail in this game as they would go on to beat the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. to so great win for Clemson. But overall, if you're a Wake Forest fan, don't be disappointed because y'all still deserve to have that top 25 ranking. And, I mean, honestly, that's just, you know, (laughs) I mean, in my opinion, Wake Forest is one of the best well-kept secrets in the ACC. And hopefully they they do start to get a lot more recognition despite this loss against a pretty solid, in my opinion, Clemson team. Now, anyway, guys, the next game that we are going to be talking about and this is going to be the 14th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions taking on Central Michigan. Now, come, now, after last week and after last week's game against Auburn, Penn State absolutely had to have been thrilled, especially with the performance by five by former five-star running back Nick Singleton. Now, in this game, Nick didn't have that type of game, but honestly, he didn't play horrible. But this game started out very slow as at halftime, Penn State was only beating Central Michigan 21 to fourteen. So yeah, definitely there was some concern. But in the second half, Penn State would shut out Central Michigan as they would go on to beat the Chippewa's 33 to 14. So decent win for Penn State, but definitely definitely was there was definitely some concern on both sides in the first half. But anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about is going to be the 17th-ranked Baylor Bears traveling to Ames, Iowa to take on the Iowa State Cyclones. Now, this game was actually a really solid game. It was very well balanced. Both teams, they had a lot of losses when it came to the NFL last year. You know, they both were kind of rebuilding. Both had new quarterbacks. Baylor, you know, Gary Bohannon, he went to USF. Uh, Iowa State, Brock Purdy, he went into the NFL. So both have new starting quarterbacks. And both, honestly, did not play... I'm not going to say great, but they both didn't play that bad. As Blake Shapin for the Baylor Bears, he went 19 for 26, 238 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And then on the flip side for Iowa State, their starting quarterback, Hunter Deckers, he went 23 for 36, 284 yards passing with two touchdowns and two, in my opinion, costly interceptions because, you know, the score came down to literally one touchdown. But anyway, besides that, you know, overall this is a very solid game on both sides. Uh, for Iowa State, their starting wide receiver Jalen Noel, Jalen Noel, he had a very great game, as he uh, as he had um, seven receptions for 120 yards. Now he didn't get any touchdowns, but still a very solid stat line for him. But overall, Baylor would eventually hold out the late comeback push by Iowa State as they would go on to beat the Cyclones. 31 to 24 so good for baylor i know definitely losing to byu two weeks ago was a huge crusher for them but definitely now that they're in conference play this hopefully would be a good momentum boost for them going forward now the next game that we're going to be talking about is going to be the missouri tigers traveling to jordan Hare to take on the auburn tigers now don't let the don't let the record fool you for auburn at three and one they are probably going to end up maybe winning eight games this year maybe and that's a big maybe because after this game against missouri who has definitely struggled to start the year it's just ridiculous because auburn for them personally they can't find a starting quarterback tj finley looked i'm not gonna say horrifyingly bad but he did not look good last week against penn state robbie ashford didn't have his best game this week either against missouri but anyway, let's talk about the game a little bit. As this game would ultimately end up coming down to the last, literally last play in overtime. As all Mizzou had to do, and I mean all Mizzou had to do, was just simply make a field goal and they would win. And they completely bought, botched it and then they would go into overtime and Auburn would end up beating the Missouri Tigers 17-14. to And what was literally going to be a very costly game for their head coach... Um, because it was reported that if they had lost this game, he would have been fired. So, yeah, it, oh, Auburn fans, I really feel for y'all, because, you know, despite a 3-1 and one start, you know, most people would be happy with that. If you're an Auburn Tiger fan, you're really not, because there's been a lot of early season struggles to start the year. So, but anyway, Auburn does survive, and they get the win against Missouri. But anyway, guys, we got to keep it going. We got to keep talking about all the games and all the action and everything like that. So the next game that we're going to talk about is going to be the TCU Horned Frogs traveling to Dallas for the first time in what feels like forever to take on the SMU Mustangs. Now to start this game off immediately, TCU dominated pretty much from the get-go as it was 14-0 after the first quarter. Now in the second quarter, it was definitely a definitely a whole different ball game as despite TCU being up 28 to 7 SMU would score a last minute touchdown before the end of the half which would have them going into the halftime 28 to 14 but in the second half that's definitely where SMU shined as they would score the only points in the third quarter and then despite a late comeback push by the Mustangs the Mustangs offense would just unfortunately they would end up failing as TCU would beat SMU 42 to 34. Now, and you know, this might be a little bit of bias, but I want to shout out my quarterback Max Duggan as he had a absolutely tremendous day as he went 22 for 29, 278 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And then also Kendra Miller, one of the best running backs in all of college football. He had himself a day as well as he had 17 carries for 142 yards rushing with one touchdown. Now I do want to also shout out um, on the SMU side, Trey Siggers, their starting running back. He had a very good day as well as he had 19 carries for 60 yards rushing and three touchdowns, which was pretty much most of their offense. But also SMU had... You know, shockingly, not their—he wasn't their best receiver, but he was one of their top receivers as he had himself a game as well as he had eight receptions for 163 receiving yards and one touchdown. But despite the late effort by the Mustangs, they would ultimately lose to the TCU Horn Frogs, 42 to 34. As the Iron Skillet now will return back to Fort Worth after three years. So. Anyway, yeah, I'm excited as a TCU fan, but I don't want to keep, you know, drowning on the fact that, yeah, we, we did whoop SMU despite the score not really showing it. We we definitely did get, you know, get the best of them. But now, anyway, I want to talk about the best game of the weekend, and this was the, Blue, the Duke Blue Devils traveling to Lawrence, Kansas, to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. You're probably wondering, what, in basketball? No, 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 in football, because both of these teams were 3-0 going into this game, which was just unheard of because both – Normally, are probably 0-3 to this point. But, you know, Kansas just continues to amaze me, and so does Jaden Daniels, their starting quarterback, as he went 19 for 23, 324 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he also, rushing, had 11 carries for almost 100 yards rushing and one touchdown as he would lead the Kansas Jayhawks to a 35-27 to victory over the Duke Blue Devils. Duke will fall to 3-1. and one, and Kansas will improve to four and zero in what feels like the first time in dang near a thousand years. I'm, you know, obviously being sarcastic, but that's pretty much what it's felt like. So, but but anyway, guys, we're gonna continue talking about this afternoon slate of games because we do have a few more. I'm just gonna give you all the score because these games aren't really noteworthy or anything that like deserve to be like talk, talk, talked about. But we had the UCLA Bruins who now improved to four and zero as they beat the 0-4 now Colorado Buffaloes, 45-17. I mean, I really feel for Colorado because all those transfers that left and, you know, just the coachings, coaching and everything like that. It is really hard to see them in this shape, but UCLA does get a much-needed win as they beat the Colorado Buffaloes to open Pac-12 play, 45-17. And then we also did have Minnesota taking on Michigan State. Now, Minnesota, it's time to rank the Golden Gophers. The Golden Gophers – they deserve to be ranked after a very huge, I mean, very huge win against Michigan State up in, uh, I almost said Eastland. Yeah, it is East Lansing. My bad. As they would go on to beat the Michigan State Spartans, who have kind of just fallen off pretty much the cliff of the earth at this point, as they beat as they beat uh Sparty thirty-four to seven in a very dominant game by the Golden Gophers. So, if anybody out there that does any type of polls or anything, make sure you have the Golden Gophers ranked in your next top twenty-five. Now, also, Appalachian State, they fell. They absolutely choked a lead as, you know, they scored 28 points in the second quarter against James Madison, who was just in the now in their first year at the FBS level. But James Madison, with a late comeback push in the fourth quarter, they would end up beating the Appalachian State Mountaineers 32-28. to So, yeah, it's pretty much confirmed at this point. James Madison is better than Texas A&M. And all of you Aggie fans, y'all heard me right. James Madison is one hundred and ten times better than you because they beat Appalachian State. But anyway, guys, let's train, let's kind of talk a little bit more about the uh, the late afternoon slash early evening slated games, and there was actually a very solid amount of these games that were going on. But I first want to talk about the 22nd ranked Texas Longhorns traveling out to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And boy, was this a game that lived up to all of the hype as this game would go into overtime. And, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about the game and some of the stats because some of the players in this game absolutely went off. As in this game, Texas Tech coming off a very disappointing loss to NC State last week, which I'm not going to say... I probably shouldn't say disappointing, but definitely a game that I think Texas Tech should have probably been able to win against a pretty solid NC State team. You know, they had another opportunity now to play another ranked team in UT. And then on UT's side, they almost got upset by UTSA last week, despite a strong second half. They didn't play that well in the first. And a lot of those same flaws, they showed up a lot in this game against Texas Tech. Now, in this game... Texas Tech statistically was off the charts. Their starting quarterback, Donovan Smith, he finally started to get things under underway as he had a lot of turnover and pick interceptions to begin the year. But in this game, he went 38 for 56, 331 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Hudson Card actually didn't even have that bad of a game either as he went 20 for 30, 277 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception. Now Bijan Robinson, he he continued to do B. John Robinson things as he had 16 carries for 101 yards rushing with two touchdowns. But the huge, and I mean the huge thing that definitely helped Texas Tech at the end of this game, was the fact that Texas was not able to get Xavier Worthy open and getting him any type of receptions, as he only as he only had three receptions on the day for 50 yards and then one touchdown, with his longest being 39 yards. So in reality. He really only had that one catch and he was pretty much out for the rest of the game and I'm not saying out for injury but just was not a factor in the rest of this game as Texas would ultimately force overtime with a last second field goal and ultimately the Red Raiders would be able to actually get the last laugh. As they would kick the game-winning field goal in overtime to beat the 22nd-ranked Texas Longhorns by a score of 37 to 34. So watch out for the Red Raiders, and it pains me to say, but definitely watch out for this team. Is offensively, they are very sneakily good, and I think their defense, you know, still is not the greatest, but they definitely made a lot of improvements under uh, Joey McGuire. And shout out to Joey McGuire, because absolutely amazing person and coach. And Definitely somebody that you should listen to if you're ever wanting to kind of get some tips on coaching and stuff like that. But but anyway, great game played by Texas Tech as they take down the Longhorns, 37-34 to 34, out in Lubbock. Now Texas, after this game, should definitely be unranked. And I'm not saying the game against Bama was not impressive or anything like that. But I think that day, it wasn't a fact of Texas just being the better team. I think it was the fact that Bama just beat themselves due to so many penalties, miscues. Will Anderson, obviously, in that game... He messed up a lot. He had a lot of uh, offsides. He had a lot of just broken plays. You know, secondary and Bama was pretty much non-existent that day. And, you know, ultimately, I mean, they just – it was just really a bad game overall for Bama. But, I mean, Texas, they have talent. They always have talent. I just – I don't really know – I mean, their season is not over by any means, but definitely this loss against Texas Tech, one of their biggest rivals, is a huge blow As now they fall to 2-2, two and two and Tech improves onto the season 3-1 to one as they get their first win in Big 12 play this year. And Texas gets handed their first loss in Big 12 play this year. Now this next game, and I just, I'm so confused. Like, my brain is hurting trying to just comprehend how this game finished this way. So, Middle Tennessee State traveled down to Miami, the 25th-ranked Miami Hurricanes. You know, this is a game that Miami probably paid them about $1 million or something to come down. You know, pretty much a scrimmage type of game. You know, Miami should have absolutely blown this team out. Well, that was the complete opposite because after the first quarter, Middle Tennessee State was up on Miami 17-3. And then going into half, Middle Tennessee State was up on uh, Miami 24-10. to And, yes... This Miami team was the same team that was a top 25 team going into the uh, beginning of the season. They went into land. You know, I'm not going to say almost beat the Aggies, but, you know, pretty much held the Aggies to pretty much no offense whatsoever. Even under their new quarterback, uh, Max Johnson. And, you know, this obviously should have been an easy game for them. Well, Middle Tennessee State—they're starting quarterback Chase Cunningham. He had different plans in that plans than in that. As in this game, he went absolutely off. As he had 16 completions, or he had, or he had. So yeah, he went 16 for 25, had 408 yards passing. And mind you, Miami should be a very solid defensive team this year. 408 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception with a long and this play was beautiful and I posted it on social media with a long of 98 yards and you'll never guess what his rating was in this game a 232 quarterback rating so yeah an absolutely phenomenal game by Chase and on the flip side Tyler Van Dyke had a lot of struggles in this game as he would only go 16 for 32, 138 yards passing with one touchdown and two costly interceptions. Now he would later, I don't I don't I unfortunately I didn't really watch the game, but I think he either got injured or benched as the former five-star quarterback Jake Garcia would come into the game, and he did okay. He went 10 for 19, 169 yards passing, but that just would not simply be enough for this strong middle Tennessee state team. As they would go on to beat the 25th-ranked Miami Hurricanes down in Miami, 45 to 31. Man, what a blow this is for Miami. I mean, this—I don't think this game will get talked about enough because just due to the fact that we know Miami probably didn't deserve to be in the top 25 after their showcase again last week against Texas A&M. But the fact that they just got blown out by by uh, Middle Tennessee State because going into the third quarter, Middle Tennessee State was up. 31-17. 31-17. to 17. So, yeah, it this game was never close, and it's kind of sad to say that because Middle Tennessee, no offense to them, they had no reason to even be in this game at all, and they just blew out what was supposed to be a top 25 team in the country under a new head coach they paid millions to get from Oregon, and then all these new transfers, all these 2023, recru- 2023 recruits that they got for next year. You know, it's just... Oh, man, this is just such a huge blow for Miami. But, you know, shout-out to Middle Tennessee because they just wanted the game more as they would go on to beat the Miami Hurricanes 45-31 to and what was a absolutely phenomenal game by them. Now, let's travel over to the pretty much what was the game, quote-unquote, of the weekend for, you know, ESPN. They did their college game day here, and this was the 20th-ranked Florida Gators traveling to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the 11th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Now, going into this game, this was kind of a huge test for both of these teams because Florida, after a very impressive week one win against Utah, has kind of struggled since. They almost lost to USF last week. You know, they would end up winning. And then on the flip side, Tennessee, you know, after coming off some impressive wins, most notably against Pitt a few weeks back, you know, they had a lot to prove in this game because now they're finally, you know, in SEC play. They're going to be playing against some good competition. So Florida obviously was an early test, and, man, did definitely Hendon Hooker absolutely shot on in this game? The starting quarterback for Tennessee, as he went 22 for 30 or 22 for 28, 349 yards passing with two touchdowns on the day and no interceptions. So phenomenal game by Hendon Hooker, and his legs also got the job done for the Volunteers as he as he had 13 carries for 112 yards rushing and one touchdown and. I don't think Hendon Hooker gets talked enough about because, you know, despite his time at Virginia Tech, once he got into Josh Heupel's offense, I mean, he's just been phenomenal. Like, he absolutely has been one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. And, you know, I definitely don't think he's getting enough recognition as he should. And then the quarterback on the flip side for Florida, Anthony Richardson, who was getting a ton of Heisman hype after week one against Utah for the Gators. He's definitely kind of started to get a lot more back to earth. And in this game, he definitely started to get a lot more of a realization, too. Not a bad game by any means. You know, he went 24 for 44, 453 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception. He also got it done in the run game as well, similar to Hendon Hooker, as he had 17 carries for 62 yards rushing and two touchdowns. But ultimately, Tennessee would hold off a late, another late comeback by the Florida Gators, and they would beat them by a score of 38-33 to 33 in favor of the Volunteers. So the Vols are 4-0. I mean, hey, watch out for Tennessee. You know they, you know at least this UT might actually be back. I don't know about Texas, but definitely, you know Josh Heupel and kind of the new energy he's brought to Tennessee has paid dividends for this program. And you know Tennessee is definitely going in the right direction, especially with the uh, emergence of a new quarterback in town next year for Knoxville in the form of five-star quarterback Nico Iamaleva. So that'll be huge for them when they get him next year. But anyway, the next game that we will be t- talking about is going to be up in Pullman, Washington, as we have the 15th-ranked Oregon Ducks taking on the Washington State Cougars. Now, Washington State, going into this game, was 3-0. The Transfer quarterback from UIW, Cam Ward, has been pretty solid this year, honestly. I mean, he hasn't been the greatest, but he's definitely been a very solid quarterback. And then on the flip side, Oregon has a former Auburn quarterback, Bo Nix, as their starting quarterback. And well, this game definitely was going very wacky before the fourth quarter because Washington State was up on top of Oregon uh, 27 to 15. Sorry, I was trying to do all the math in my head. They were up 27 to 15 on Oregon going into the fourth quarter. Uh, But Oregon just for some reason felt like, you know what, we probably need to win this game just due to the fact that it's also our first Pac-12 game. So Oregon would put up 22 points in the fourth quarter as it would hold off Washington State and would make and would actually be able to make the late comeback against the Washington State Cougars 37-34. to So great game or great late game for Bo Nix. Now he started the game off very rough but ultimately he would have 33 or he would go 33 for 44. 428 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception now cam ward on the flip side he also had a pretty solid day too as he went 35 for 43 with 305 yards passing with two touchdowns and one interception so pretty solid day by both of the quarterbacks obviously bo nix struggled definitely he definitely struggled at the beginning of the game but he figured it out and would lead Oregon to this comeback win but also I need to make sure to shout out Troy Franklin a wide receiver for Oregon as he also had a very huge day in this game as he would have five receptions for 137 yards passing or what am I talking about passing a wide receiver passing sorry guys he had 137 yards receiving for one touchdown he also had a long of 50 so besides that you know overall is a end game, not really anything noteworthy, but Oregon would fend off the Washington State Cougars with a late, late comeback of their own, and will go on to beat them 37-34, to 34. I definitely think Oregon will drop a little bit in rankings, I don't think they'll drop a lot, but they definitely probably drop to like 17 or 18, especially just depending on how, you know, the rest of the game schedules, you know... It's just one of those things where it's kind of weird because, in my opinion, Oregon probably will stay at 15, but they probably should drop at least to like 16, 17, 18 maybe. But, you know, what do I know? I'm not an expert. But but, but anyway, guys, that was it for the uh, late afternoon, early evening slate of games. So now let's talk about the evening slate of games. And, boy, did we have a few pretty good ones. We had Texas A&M taking on Arkansas at AT&T Stadium. We had Wisconsin taking on Ohio State at the Shoe. But the first game that I do want to talk about is going to be the 10th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks taking on the 23rd ranked Texas A&M Aggies down in Jerry's World, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. Now, in the first quarter of this ball game, it looked like Arkansas was going to absolutely just run away with this game as they led Texas A&M at the end of the first quarter, 14-0. K.J. Jefferson was doing K.J. Jefferson things for the Razorbacks, and it just looked like all was going to go well. And... Till the second quarter hit and A&M just somehow remembered, oh shoot, we have a game today. And Max Johnson would lead the Aggies down the field for, I think it was a 98-yard uh, drive. And, I mean, they were absolutely going off. And then the weirdest, and I mean, one of the weirdest and most bizarre goal line runs I've ever seen. So, KJ Jefferson, the starting quarterback for Arkansas, he tries to leap over into the end zone. Ball gets knocked out of his hands. It is recovered by an A&M defender. And then while the AM defenders running down the field, and he's about to get tackled, he tosses it to another AM defender, and then he runs it all the way back for a touchdown. And one of the most bizarre, one of the most heads-up plays you will ever see in college football. Definitely should check it out. I posted it to both of the social medias for the cover seven with Mason Pierce podcast. But anyway, after that point, AM just continued to keep Devin a chain in the game as he would go for 19 carries, 159 yards rushing with one touchdown. He was just running all over this Arkansas Razorback defense as he would lead the Aggies offense to eventually take over in this game as they would go on to beat Arkansas 23-21. Now Arkansas had a prime opportunity to win this game as with only about a minute and a half left in the game or I think it was a little bit less than that. They were in prime position to kick a game-winning field goal, but ultimately it would doink off the upright and would give AM the win. Now, the best part about this game wasn't even just any of the players or anything like that. It was seeing the picture of Jerry Jones, who in case you don't know, he's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, and he also is an alumni of Arkansas, have to have to hand hand over <laughs> the Southwest Showdown trophy over to AM. And when I tell y'all, that is one of the most Four smiles I think I've ever seen. I mean, you could tell he genuinely was fuming, but... Despite that, KJ Jefferson, he had a pretty okay day outside of making a few costly mistakes as he as for passing wise, he went 12 for 19, 171 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Now KJ also was Arkansas's leading rusher as he had 18 carries for 105 yards rushing with one touchdown. You know, we just talked a little bit about Devon Achane, who just absolutely is a beast and definitely will be one of the top running backs picked at next year's NFL draft. And then Max Johnson, the starting quarterback and the new starting quarterback for a and after Haynes King got benched uh, uh, last week in favor of Max. And honestly, I think it's been the best decision that they've made because overall, that offense looks a lot more you know, capable with Max Johnson, at least right now. But anyway, Max Johnson, who formerly was at LSU, he went 11 for 21, 151 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. But anyway, just to wrap it up... Uh, Overall, AM's you know defense really picked things up towards the end of the first half, and obviously the second half is they only allowed Arkansas to score one touchdown in the second half, and that came all the way in the fourth quarter. So AM had pretty much two and a half quarters. Worth of just no points for Arkansas, which is pretty impressive for Arkansas as they have been one of the best offensive teams in the country. So but anyway, huge win for AM as they now improve to three and one. And Arkansas will actually get their first loss of the year and their first and their first conference loss of the year as they fall to three and one on the season. But anyway, guys, the next evening game that we're going to talk about. Is going to be the Kansas State Wildcats traveling to Norman, Oklahoma to take on the sixth ranked Oklahoma Sooners. And man, another upset, and I mean it's just so and because I mean pretty much the theme of week four was upsets. I mean, it just absolutely was upsets. You had Miami getting taken down by uh uh Middle Tennessee State, and then you also just had AM take down tenth ranked Arkansas And it just kept getting better as Kansas State, who has been known to pretty much be the OU killer, they did exactly that in this game. As former Nebraska quarterback and now current Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez, he had arguably his best collegiate game so far as for passing-wise. He went 21 for 34, 234 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions on the day. And he also led Deuce Vaughn and Kansas State in rushing as he had 21 carries for 148 yards rushing. And get this. Four rushing touchdowns on the day. So Adrian Martinez had a total of five TDs on the day. And also Deuce Vaughn had a pretty solid day as well as he had 25 carries for 116 yards rushing and zero touchdowns. But, but regardless, this Kansas State team was just unstoppable when it came on offense. as OU allowed 24 points in the first quarter and then would allow 17 in the second half. Sorry, I mean uh, in the first half and then would allow 17 in the second half. And it just seemed like Kansas State had control from the get-go in this game. And don't let the score kind of fool you. OU's last touchdown was kind of in a garbage-time garbage, uh, garbage time moment, so to speak. And ultimately, they tried the onside kick to get the ball back, but Kansas State recovered. And I mean, honestly, I'm happy for Adrian Martinez in Kansas State because they just had a really rough game last week against Tulane where they got upset in Manhattan. And, you know, this was a huge prove game, especially against a team that they've been known to kind of be – you know, always spoil their season, and this definitely spoiled. I mean, this definitely be something that we look back at in December when we're kind of debating on if Oklahoma deserves to be, you know, in the college football playoff or New York Six bowl game, and, you know, we'll look back at this game. But anyway, Kansas State would go on to beat the 6th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners 41-34 Forty-one to thirty-four. As Kansas State will improve to three and one on the year and one and zero in the Big Twelve, and Oklahoma will fall to three and one and then zero and one in conference play. So huge, and I mean huge win for Kansas State. And you know, I'm only expecting them to continue to do even better this year, especially with Adrian Martinez, because he looked very solid in this game. Now, anyway, the primetime ABC game of this weekend was Wisconsin traveling to Columbus to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I'm not even going to really talk about this game because it just was an absolute blowout from the get-go because Ohio State put up 21 points in the first quarter against Wisconsin, and we knew from that point on it was just going to be a blowout. C.J. Stroud, he had five touchdowns on the day. He absolutely just lit up this Wisconsin defense as they would go on to beat Wisconsin 52 to 21. So, yeah, definitely a rough start for Wisconsin as they now improve. now Now they fall to two and two on the year, especially with that one really upsetting loss to Washington State just a few weeks ago. But anyway, the next game we also have is number two Alabama taking on Vanderbilt. Nothing really here. Bryce Young and Alabama offense was just too much for Vandy as they would go on to beat Vanderbilt 55 to three. So unfortunately, the Vanderbilt hype has pretty much just gone away. It's very sad to say, but it was a good run while it lasted and now that they're in ACC, or not ACC. Now that they're in SEC play. Yeah, it's it's a, it's unfortunate to say that the Vanderbilt hype is just no longer real anyway, but but anyway, guys, let's talk about the late late night games that we have. And the first one that we're going to talk about is going to be the 7th ranked USC Trojans traveling to Corvallis, Oregon to take on the Oregon State Beavers who actually to this game were 3 and 0 so we had two 3 and 0 games ta- or we had two 3 and 0 teams taking on each other in this game and boy was it a matchup now offensively it wasn't the greatest but both defenses in this game pretty much played absolutely lights out as USC would ultimately have four takeaways off of Oregon State most notably their starting quarterback Chance Nolan who did have a very rough night tonight or on Saturday night as he went 16 for 26 158 yards passing zero touchdowns and four four interceptions with the his final and fourth interception being the one that sealed the game for USC. Now, Caleb Williams by no means had an amazing game as he went 16 for 36, 180 yards passing with one touchdown on the night. And that one touchdown came late, which would seal the game for USC and to be actually the game winning TD. Now for USC, running back Travis Dye, or the formal Oregon running back. He had an amazing game as he had 19 carries for 133 yards rushing with one touchdown and pretty much was most of their offense in tonight's game. Jordan Addison wasn't really too much of a factor in this game besides the last play on offense for USC as he had three receptions for 42 yards and one touchdown on the night, which would be the game-winning touchdown. And, you know, overall, I mean, honestly, USC probably should have blown out Oregon State in this game, to be honest with you. The amount of turnovers that they were giving up, I mean, this should have easily been a blown out game. But overall, you know, there's a lot of offensive struggles some things USC is going to need to figure out, especially when they get, you know, start playing some tougher teams like Utah, even UCLA and everything like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Trojans do once the season progresses a little bit more. And then for Oregon State, I think quarterback troubles are really going to be what's get is going to get them this year because, I mean... Just Chance Nolan had a horrifically bad game. I mean, just ball judgment and everything just was just not great. So but anyway, the seventh ranked USC Trojans would go on to beat Oregon State 17 to 14. Now, we're not gonna really talk too much about the final games of Saturday because they were all were pretty much blowouts. But the first one I do want to talk about is 13th uh Utah traveling to Arizona State to take on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Now, Utah Didn't even struggle in this game at all as they absolutely blew out Arizona State and got the win in what was the first game for Arizona State without Herm Edwards. Now the next game is Stanford traveling to uh, Seattle to take on the 18th ranked Washington Huskies. Washington took care, I mean definitely took care of Stanford in this game as Michael Penix had an absolutely amazing game once again and would lead the Huskies to a win over the Stanford Cardinal. But anyway, guys, that does it for uh, the 2022 College Football Week 4 recap. It was an absolutely amazing, and I mean just an amazing weekend of college football. I loved all the upsets, all the close, nail-biting games. I mean, it was just a great atmosphere and just a great time to definitely watch some college football. And I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Now, anyway, guys, make sure to also show go. Make sure to go show y'all support to the channel by just simply liking, following, sharing. Whatever you do, it is greatly appreciated. And I thank y'all again seriously for listening to today's episode. And you know, make sure to also check out the NFL Week Three re- or yeah, NFL Week Three recap, which will be coming out on uh. On Tuesday. So, anyway, guys, thank you all again for listening to this uh, college football week four recap. And I will see y'all back here on Tuesday for an NFL week three recap. Peace, y'all.